All right, well, good morning. Welcome to Grace Drama Church. My name is Lyndon, one of the pastors here. We're going to turn our attention to the reading of God's Word uh, and uh, preaching, and we're going through a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Right now, we're going to read the whole of the Beatitudes, which is just another word for blessings, okay, the blessings that Jesus pronounces over people in his kingdom. And what you're going to find is that these blessings that Jesus pronounces are surprising blessings. The kind of people that God calls blessed in this passage will surprise us. And um, last week, Dan kicked off our sermon series with Blessed are the Poor in Spirit. Today, we're on the second of these Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. And to help us with the reading. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. New mic check. We on here? Thank you. All right. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're in a world constantly suffering loss. And the death of the 41-year-old NBA legend, icon Kobe Bryant, along with his 13-year-old daughter, among others, has brought great loss to the center stage of our culture. And I've been finding it difficult to think about death, to to think about this situation, to kind of enter in uh, emotionally to the suffering that this has catalyzed in so many lives. Uh, It's hard to think about the lives left behind. A wife now, single parenting, three daughters who are going to grow up without their father. It's difficult to think about. And this happens... All the time. Death is all around us. And it's not only death of persons mourned, it's death of dreams and longings, things hoped for. For what do you mourn? What loss have you endured? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But who are these blessed mourners, we need to ask, that Jesus has in view here? Does Jesus have in mind, say, everyone ever who's ever suffered loss of any kind? Every person who suffered heartache, bereavement, pain of any kind? Well, well, there certainly is a comfort that God extends to all mourners broadly. 
God, nearer to the brokenhearted, we're told. Jesus, in this passage, seems to be promising a particular kind of comfort to a particular kind of mourner, a particular kind of person. Because here in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is clearly setting forth two kinds of people. Okay, we're gonna, we'll get into this eventually. Okay, in the end, we find that there are good trees who bear good fruit, and there are bad trees who bear bad fruit. There are those who build their life on the rock, and there are those who build their life on the sand. There are those whose end will be life, and there are those whose end will be destruction. There are those who will be comforted, and presumably those who will not. As the Apostle Paul puts it, there is a godly grief that leads to salvation, And there is a worldly grief, a worldly mourning that leads only to death. So while while, while there is a mourning that leads to no comfort at all, none, there is also a mourning that leads to comfort, even the comfort of God. And the question we're confronted with this morning is, in which camp do we stand? Whether you're a Christian or not, religious or not, in which camp do you stand? Are you one whose mourning will find comfort in the end? Or are you one whose mourning will find none? No matter who you are, wherever you're coming from, this is a pressing question. Is there comfort for my mourning? Or is it all just meaningless? random happenings of cause and effect in this random, hapless world. Blessed are those who, pour, who, who, are more, who mourn, we're told, for they shall be comforted. Now, I should remind us from the outset that, as Dan explained last week, the blessed here are not simply the happy, okay, or at least the happy as we under, would tend to use the word happy. They're not those who necessarily feel blessed. Blessed here is not a feeling of subjective happiness. It's not an experience of fun or, you know, nice relaxation at the beach, although these things may be related. But blessed, blessed here has to do with an objective state of what you actually are under God, what God says that you are, living in God's rest, in his peace, perhaps even through trials and sufferings. The blessed life does not mean the life of no sufferings. This blessedness then might be understood as a holistic wellness under God. It's life under the pleasure of God as his child, known by him, trusting him all the way, and all the comfort that that brings. It's, It's what Jesus refers elsewhere to as the abundant life, life to the full. This is the blessed life. And the question that each of these Beatitudes opens up for us then is, are you blessed? Is that you? Are you part of this special group that Jesus has in mind, approved by God, at peace, mind, body, soul? And what are, in fact, the characteristics of one who is so blessed by God? Well, We expect to hear things like, blessed are the rich. 
for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who laugh and joke and find all kinds of comforts in this life. Blessed are those who are well fed, for they are obviously favored by God. These are the things that we'd expect to hear, but then instead we hear something very different, startling, even unsettling. When we hear things like this from Luke's gospel. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now. Blessed are you who weep now. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Blessings and woe, riches and poverty, full and empty bellies, laughter and mourning and weeping. In Christ's kingdom, it's all flipped upside down. And we, even we, as a church, full of wealth, bellies full, laughter, comforts of all kinds, power, privilege, prestige, For many of us, this promise of blessing seems to pass us by. Blessed are those who mourn, after all, for they shall be comforted. Are we the mourners in view here? Are you, where you sit, are you part of this special group, those who mourn? It's a very difficult question because it seems that for Jesus to be blessed is not so much much a matter of what you do, but a matter of who you are. This passage is not a prescription. It's not a prescription telling us what we're supposed to do, but it is a description telling us what is in fact the blessed life, telling us who is in fact Blessed, and it's those who mourn. So the question this morning isn't so much about what this text is telling us to do as it is a text doing its work on us and exposing and revealing us, assessing us in its own light. Are we the ones here described? Are we the those who mourn? Which brings us back to the question, who are these blessed mourners? Well, perhaps this is a question best answered by considering a few stories of those who mourn as given in the Gospels. There's a story of the despised and sinful woman, we're told, who breaks into the order of a Pharisee's house and begins weeping at Jesus' feet. And we're told... Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And Jesus goes on. A certain moneylender had two debtors. 
One owed 500 denarii, a lot of money, and the other 50, a smaller amount. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them, Jesus asks, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Then, of course, there's the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector who who each go up to the temple to, to pray. And the Pharisee begins to thank God for all the good things that he is and all the good things that he's done and how wonderful of a person he is and how you know, morally upright and how he keeps all these laws and ties everything he's supposed to. And Jesus says this, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man, This tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other. And we could go on with stories of mourners finding hope and help in Jesus. But here's what we'd find in every one of them. Just go through the New Testament. Many stories of those who mourn, those who are broken and troubled. And here's what we'd find. Every one of these mourners who finds blessing, is found at the end of their rope. Every one of them is found broken and desperate before God. Every one of them looks to God as their only hope. Those who mourn then seem to be those brought to the end of themselves, who find no solace in the things of this world, will not be comforted by the things of this world, but whose only solace is in the blessing that comes from God. And in this sense, the promise of comfort goes out to all those mourners who will look to God, hope in God, rest in God. It is the poor in spirit those who are destitute before God, know their need for the grace of God. It's the poor in spirit, these mourners who are promised all the comfort of God himself and all of his fatherly care. So again, wherever you're coming from, whether you're a Christian or not, are you one who mourns like this? Have you been brought to the end of yourself? Acknowledging your other need for grace, your other need for help, your other need for the forgiveness of God? Or are you committed to keeping up the show? 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. Keeping up the show. You know about the show. And some of you are here in this boat. You know deep down that you have much to mourn. Your own sin and darkness. Your own brokenness along with the brokenness of the world. But at all costs, you avoid such mourning. You want to keep up appearances. And so you fake it and hope that one day you'll make it. And you numb the pain. Unendingly. Numb the pain. Distract yourself. Avoid those periods of silence. But the Lord, even here, even now, is calling you to face the very things you're running from. And the living Christ addresses you this morning with these words from James, these startling words from James, this invitation from James, be wretched and mourn and weep, he says. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, there is a dimension to this which is not central here, but it's there, and it's this. That suffering and poverty, mourning, in general, or what you might call the life characterized by affliction and marginalization, That kind of life certainly does not guarantee blessing or comfort, but it is better positioned than the life of riches is for the blessing of God. Jesus puts it this way. How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Or elsewhere... Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And elsewhere, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. You see, throughout the scriptures, there is a correlation that we need to be warned of. Arguably a strong correlation between spiritual poverty and material poverty. There's a correlation between mourning and the blessing of God. And we as a church, I think, generally need to be warned of this. The Bible is not neutral when it comes to questions of wealth, questions of ease, but wary of the corrupting influence of money and the comforts that it brings. Wealth, while certainly not bad in itself and certainly has the potential to do all kinds of good, as most of us well know, is a spiritual liability nonetheless. The life of comfort is a spiritual blinder, and so beware, Jesus says. And the story where this is laid out for us is in Luke 16. It's a, it's a striking story. That Jesus tells. He says, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Okay, this is luxurious living uh, to the max. 
And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. There's injustices implied here. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip his finger, the end of his finger, in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. With Jesus' promise of blessing to those who mourn, there comes also a warning to those of us who find our comfort our fullness, our joy, and our laughter, our consolation in this life. Beware, Jesus says, beware to us who have made this life our place of refuge, our place of blessing. Because when we do, if we do, guess what? Jesus tells us we've already received our consolation. Okay? Or as he puts it elsewhere, when he's addressing someone who's using religion for personal gain, he says, they have already received their reward in full. And here is revealed what it is about poverty and mourning that marks poor mourners out as those predisposed to the blessing of God. They cannot find the comfort that they so desire in the things of this world. They simply can't. It's not an offer for them. It's a game they're not invited to play. But the rich, well, we are invited. And play this game we will. And most of us will play this game as long and for, for as long and as hard as we possibly can until we come to an end. Until we ourselves are broken, destitute, made poor, impoverished, and at a loss one way or another. And only when this happens do we stop the pretense and the idolatry, even in the name of God, all to find that the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of us. It sure is tempting for us, isn't it? Us who are rich, to find our comfort here. It's a real temptation to play the world's games and find our peace, our rest, our happiness here. I mean, who needs grace when we can have things? Experiences, entertainment, comfortable living spaces, all unbothered by the poor and the hurting. Who needs forgiveness when we can build some semblance of a successful self-made life? Who needs peace with God when we've got the means to distract ourselves, numb our pain, numb the loneliness, entertain ourselves to death. Who needs peace with God? But for all who are poor and needy, for the broken and the hurting, grace, peace, forgiveness, these are everything. 
And so here, those of us who are rich, we, the religious, find ourselves confronted with a difficult question, in what do we find our comfort? In what do you find your comfort? Which camp are we in? Are we among those who are rich, as Jesus calls them, and have received our consolation, full now, laughing now, contenting ourselves with the comforts of life now? Or are we among those poor and hungry beggars, incapable of finding solace in the things of this world, and instead mourning? Mourning our sin, mourning our suffering, mourning all before God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, how do we, all of us here, the rich and religious and the poor, the full and the hungry, the far from God, the doubters, the secularists, the sinners of all kinds. How do we have any assurance that God will comfort those who mourn? Well, here's how. Even here, in the midst of this pain-filled world, in the words of John, we have an advocate also translated comforter. We have a comforter, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus, the one called the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus, despised and rejected. The one who has borne our griefs, we're told, and carried our sorrows. Do you know this? That all of the griefs that you bear All of the sorrows that you've carried, Jesus has borne the same and more, carried the same and more, his own pains and also those of the whole world. Jesus, the one who left riches and all comforts and joined into our weeping and our mourning. And herein lies one of the greatest mysteries of this ancient faith, that God's response to our suffering, our mourning, our weeping, is not to remove it from us or to remove us from it, at least not now, but instead to enter in to our suffering, even as one who mourns. In the end, the hope of the world's tears, all our mourning, is in the one who suffered our despair and cries out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. And with a desperate cry, a shriek, that's the word, in a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. If you're here this morning wondering whether God even cares about your loss, bereavement, anger, and pain, know that our God is a God who came from heaven to earth and to hell and back in order that we might know him and all of his blessings. Would you come to him with all of your pain, with all of your mourning, and so find the comfort of God? Finally, 
Some of you are here, broken and mourning Christians, people who hope in God alone, whose only hope is God, and whose mourning has been deeper and more challenging than anything you ever thought God would ever take you through. You're here and you're mourning real and what feels like irreparable loss. And I want to say to you, in the name of Jesus, that God sees and God knows. He knows you and has not forgotten you and has promised to bless you. And his promise is this, blessed are you. Blessed are you who mourn. For you shall be comforted. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you with all of our burdens and all of our loss, of which there is much. And we come to you finding that this is a word of hope, that blessed are those who mourn, and this promise of comfort. Father, I pray for those whose hope is in you, who look to you as their God, and ask that you, by your Spirit, would provide the comfort needed even now, that you would minister to them. And Father, that you would build us up to be a people who even through sufferings and the most impossible of trials, you would build us up to be a people who hope in you, whose hope is in you, and in the comfort that you promise even now, and in the life to come. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.